Hey guys, welcome back to Esthetician on the Edge, the podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about the ever-popular jelly mask, how to deal with skin types in the room, and I'm going to answer some questions that have been hanging around in my inbox for a little bit. Okay, in our first segment, how about those jelly masks? Can anything be more popular right now? It is satisfying. I'm not going to lie. It is so satisfying to see those things in my feed, especially the ones that are applied like a fucking work of art. You know, the edges are even. Thickness is perfect. The only break in its surface are like two nose holes and a couple of rose petals that have escaped the mixture. It's lovely. It really, really is. But what the hell do they do? I'm glad you asked. A lot of you actually haven't been asking. Most of those wonderfully satisfying rubberized masks that you see on Insta, they're a form of alginate mask. And alginate masks are seaweed-based. So if you're using jelly mask, make sure you are checking for allergies. Lots of people puff up when you add anything from our wonderful oceans. Now let's look at the science behind these mesmerizing masks. Honestly, it's pretty simple. An alginate base is mixed with a liquid. Sometimes you get serums with the, with the powder substance. And sometimes they tell you to mix water, you know. But anyway... An alginate base is mixed with a liquid and this turns that entire composition into kind of like not really a thick paste but a paste. And then you apply the paste as evenly as possible to the skin and you let it sit. Bada bing, bada boom. It hardens to the point that it's still very, very pliable and rubbery. And that's it. You're done. That is the science behind an alginate mask. Now, I believe wholeheartedly wholeheartedly, that alginate masks, they do and can hydrate and plump the skin. Duh. They are occluding the surface area so that anything that you've put on the skin before is basically being heated and forced into the skin to a degree. Also, some of the masks use electrolyte technology. Sounds fancy, huh? But what is it? It's kind of simple. You ever heard of Gatorade? <laughs> it's those same electrolytes, believe it or not, based on the same technology. Electrolytes, they are just minerals that when you pair them with water, it carries an electrical charge. Really, they help our body maintain hydration. Water in the body will follow the flow of electrolytes when you ingest it through drinks and food. Theoretically, if water follows the same path on the surface of the skin, when you use a product that has been infused with electrolytes, water or hydration will follow the path of the electrolytes and that will bring moisture into the tissues leading to a plumper, smoother skin surface. Now, does this actually happen? Mm. <laughs> no one knows, truly. There isn't enough clinical trials, clinical studies, or scientific evidence to prove that electrolytes added into skincare have any benefits at all. The only evidence we have is anecdotal evidence, and we all know that that's worth a pile of horseshit in the real world. But 
Despite the lack of evidence supporting the claims of jelly masks, they're everywhere. And they're everywhere because they're fun. They're fun to look at. They're fun to use. It just has great presentation. Really, and Instagram is like the perfect medium for it. There are several companies out there riding the popularity wave of jelly masks. Uh, SD Max, Casmira. Is it Colomir? I think it's Colomir. And even Prasanna from Universal. We all order from Universal, right? Uh, they have alginate masks. Alginate masks have been around forever. So they're not new. They've just been rediscovered. Now, what I don't want you to do is to confuse alginate mask with modelage mask. Modelage mask. <laughs> They typically have kale and clay in them and they harden, like really harden, and they dry. For those masks, you need to be putting something on the skin as a barrier. Like usually you apply those over like a gauze mask to keep it from pulling hair and being super painful during the removal process. You typically do not put a modelage mask on bare skin unless you don't like the client. Alginate mask... If it is a true alginate mask, it shouldn't stick to hair at all, and it comes off in one beautiful, lovely piece if you've mixed it correctly. Now, SD Max is really, really popular, and I gotta admit, I love their packaging. It is so clean and simple. It's got like that one strip of color on the bottom. Gah! I love it. I love simple packaging like that. But I love to see photos of people that have those containers all lined up in their treatment rooms or, you know, in the drawers of their, um, where they keep all their supplies. They've got it all lined up. I swear to you, my little OCD heart, it rejoices when I see that stuff. But anyway, let's talk about one of their SD Max. Let's talk about one of their jelly masks. So that you'll have a point of reference for anything that I'm saying. Let's take the the Egyptian Rose Hydro Jelly Mask. It seems to be extremely popular. That is one I see all the time. Why not? It's pretty. But it claims to illuminate, hydrate, firm, reduce the appearance of pigmentation, and discoloration. Alright, so I'm... Okay, let's see. I'm looking at the ingredients list. It's got... Okay, rose rose powder, of course, alginate, oat flour, rice flour, bicarbonate, willow bark powder, and some, looks like some other staple ingredients in it. Nothing crazy, but you mix one and a half scoops with a scoop of water, apply, and then you let it sit on the skin for 15 minutes. Pretty straightforward, very easy to use. Now looking at the ingredients, let's go back. I can I can see hydrating and firming. And by firming, I mean plumping because of water retention, not like permanent facelift plumping. I, and I can see it being very soothing and calming on the skin because it has oat flour and rose and glucose. If you believe glucose can be absorbed, some people don't. Hmm, but I don't see, hold on. Okay, I don't see anything that's going to address pigment as it claims. Um, okay, okay. I mean, it does have some willow bark in it, but I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be enough to facilitate sloughing, which would lead to lighter pigment. Maybe it's the rice powder. I'm going to guess that it's the rice powder that is going to be the lightening agent. 
I doubt that there's enough in the formulation to cause those kinds of changes. Maybe if you use the entire container on yourself at home over the course of a few months. I mean, okay. I mean, I do see some things to, to substantiate their claims, though. Now, if you're smart about your masking, you're going to be adding a nice treatment cream or an ampule underneath to get max benefits. It can be a great upsell for you and your client will see results simply because the product is occluded under the jelly mask. Their skin 100% will look firmer and plumped at the end of the service. Jelly mask, although I see them used constantly on super young people, they can be a game changer in the room for your more mature or your older clients because they are going to visibly be able to see changes in the smoothness and the plumpness of their skin. Now, it is temporary. We know that. So don't lie to your clients and tell them that now you're going to look 10 years younger. You might look 10 years younger for an hour and then all that shit's going to fall back into place. Okay. My only issue with jelly masks are when people use them for poor cleaning, clearing out, breakouts, anything like that. Even if there are ingredients in a jelly mask that are geared toward breakouts. Look at the science. The addition of the liquids, that's going to skew all the actives ratios. Also, the alginate, <laughs> it begins to turn into a, a rubberized mixture so quickly, like super quick. It has to. And any bacteria fighting ingredients that are in the alginate mixture within like, what, five to seven minutes, it is going to be completely encapsulated in the alginate rubbery gel structure, rendering them <laughs> useless because they're not making contact with the skin anymore. I personally think you'd get more bang for your buck for acne and for breakouts and things like that if you just used a good old clay-based mask. Is it as pretty and as appealing as a jelly mask? Nope, <laughs> it is not. But it works. It's been proven to work. I also see lots of people using the jelly mask after a wax. First of all, don't. <laughs> Let that skin rest. I, I'm personally, personally, I'm sure some of you all have different experiences with this, but doing a vajacial, as it's called, directly after Brazilian, that's not really healthy for the skin. There's been so much going on. Give it a week. Have them come back in. Hell, give it a few days and have them come back in. And, and then focus on the problems that they're having. Like, you shouldn't be doing a vajacial right after a Brazilian, in my opinion. Clean them, zap them, and then send them on their way with proper aftercare instructions. But just my opinion. I just don't see that a cute jelly mask, although very Instagrammable, that it's going to be doing anything down there beyond moisturizing and maybe calming the area. And I say calming because, yeah, there might be a few calming ingredients in it. And it is more time that they don't have their clothes back on and their clothes aren't creating heat and friction. So, yeah, it'll, it'll calm down quicker. But I see a lot of videos with the jelly mask on and the steam going. That fucking confuses me. <laughs> That really does confuse me. Is it, is it thermogenic? Is, is your jelly mask thermogenic? I'm, I'm doubtful because the ones that I see most are the rose. And a thermogenic mask, you know, it usually 
doesn't require those outside sources of heat. The heat is in the chemical reaction and that is what makes it thermogenic. And you want the mask to rubberize. So there's no reason for the steam to keep it gooey. Yeah. So the whole steaming the jelly mask, I'm at a loss for that one. <laughs> I really am. It does look cool. I mean, it does make for good Instagram, but hell if I know. I also see this. Please stop. <laughs> Please stop. People using the high-frequency wand over jelly mask. Y'all, come on now. You went to school just like I did. You guys know that that current, it oscillates so quickly that it doesn't have a polarity. Without a polarity, it is impossible. It is impossible. Hear me. It is impossible to force ingredients into the pores. There is no polarity. Stop doing it. That poor, confused, high-frequency current, it is just trying to figure out what the fuck it's supposed to be doing on this non-conductive surface. And the same with blue light for acne. Yeah, I, I get it. Blue light does penetrate the skin. But you've got one of these jelly masks on. It's not going to be effective if it even penetrates at all. And I do see, I think it's... It might be SD Max, but it might be Casimira. I can't remember. Even with the, uh, what is it called? Oh my God. Oh, I can't think of it. Five, um, five amino, is it levlanelic? I think it is. If you look at your label, there's something on there that says five amino levlanelic, I think is acid. You'll see it. It's five amino something acid as an ingredient in the mask. And they're saying that this activates if you use blue light to help fight acne. So they're kind of skewing the science on this. Most of the research that is done on that ingredient in particular is with an IPL, not regular old blue light that we use in our rooms. So it's not going to have the same acne fighting effect that you think it will have just because it has that ingredient in it. No matter what that manufacturer is telling you. Look it up. Um, shit. I, I will try to find the word. It's 5-amino something. And I probably should have done better research on that. <laughs> Sorry. But I will put it in the show notes. And you can look it up. Um, they use it in cancer treatments. So old blue light is not going to activate that like you think it is. Keep taking all the pictures you want for the good old gram. Because I love seeing them. They are so pretty. And I'm sure everyone else loves looking at them. Clients love it. But what I want you to know about jelly masks, about the only thing that you're going to get from those masks beyond content for your Instagram are hydration and soothing. And there is nothing wrong with that. I actually like both of those. But if you have someone with active acne, with ingrowns that are a problem from getting Brazilians, you just, you might want to try a different path for better results. That That's all I'm saying. Okay, moving on from Jelly Mask. I have been getting a bunch of random questions from listeners or followers in the past few months. And because I suck, I have not answered them. So today, I'm going to go through some of them and answer as efficiently as possible without dragging my soapbox out. Well, I'm, I'm not going to drag it out for all of them, only some of them. 
So let's start with the first question. Hey, esthetician on the edge, how do you feel about the entire skin world doing memes now? Seems you've started to trend with your smart ass meme page. Okay, first and foremost, let me say, I didn't, good lord, no, I did not in any way, shape, or form start skincare memes, snarky or otherwise. Honestly, I'm pretty sure that I stumbled or someone sent me a meme from Says My Derm, who I love so much. And I laughed and then thought, oh, I'm going to look up some aesthetic memes. <laughs> and I did. I went and looked up aesthetic memes and we're the ones making fun of clients. Where's those memes at, you know? And after a particularly shitty day, I made one and I sent it to a friend and that's how the page started for me. And if you want to know my opinion, I think it's great. I think it's great that people are memeing our field. Maybe people will finally be able to pronounce our fucking names. We're estheticians. Go memers. Yay. But no, keep memeing. I think it's great. Really, I do. Okay, another one. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, another one. Let's see. Any tips or tricks to increasing my following on Instagram? I really want to use the platform to grow my business. I get this one so much. And I am not, hmm, I'm not being modest when I say this. I have none. Not a single one. I tell y'all, and I, I say it all the time, I'm not good at social media. Not even a little bit. Not uh, not even... No. I, I suck at social media. Y'all are the ones that spread the word about my account. Not me. I wouldn't even know how to begin to try to get followers. Honestly. I have no idea how to increase engagement. I have no idea how to increase your numbers. Sorry, I don't. Shit, I'm being perfectly honest. If you look at my real Instagram page, the one that's for me and my business. (laughs) Oh God, I don't even think I have 200 followers. I don't. Pretty sure I don't. I, I excel at being an asshole. And unfortunately, you can't, or I can't, not with my client base. I can't be an asshole on a business account. Hence my low engagement, and my low numbers. And I'll tell you, I drop knowledge on that bitch all the time. I've got good content and nothing. (laughs) I get like 10 likes. Truly, truly, I get like 10 likes. Oh, so sad. So sad. (laughs) Hell, I have 30,000. I think it was 30,000 on this account, on the Esthetician on the Edge account. And ask me how much money I make from this Instagram account. You ready? Are you ready to be blown away? Nothing. I make zero dollars on this on this account. So I am the worst person to ask about monetizing from the Instagram platform because I don't have a clue. I'm sure there are other beauty podcasts out there who could probably lead you in that right direction of how to grow your following, but sadly... That account is not mine. I am the poor Instagram account. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, I cannot help you. All right, next question. Hello. How do you feel about California's current situation? 
Okay, um, that was the gist of the question. Let's just let's shorten it. I looked at the date on this one, and it was when I think it was within that first week of when they announced services could only be performed outside. I'm assuming that that is what the poster wanted me to talk about. So how do I feel? I feel like California has lost its fucking mind. And I feel like California is going to lose some amazing estheticians because they can't keep their businesses afloat because, hello, they don't want to fucking work out in the dirty outdoors. Like, who thought that was a good idea? Pull your head out of your ass and get with the program. Oh, generations from now, this will be like a did you know fact in someone's beauty textbook. You guys remember those? They were like in the in the side notes. Did you know? And it'll be like, did you know California lost its damn mind and made estheticians and hairstylists work outside in the heat of summer? Did you know? Fucking stupid is what it is. If retail stores, restaurants, urban downtown areas, sporting events, and everything else can open and be indoors, our industry should be opened as well. It's bullshit. Okay, don't get me started on that. I'll get wound up. <sighs> Let's move on to the next question. All right. Uh, da, da, da. Hello, hello. I am not an esthetician, so I'm assuming the reason behind your hate is something... Wait, okay, hold on. I'm trying to... I'm not an esthetician, so I'm assuming the reason behind your hate is something all estheticians just know. But why do you dislike Rodan and Fields so much? Are their products really that bad? I've used some in the past, and I actually liked what it did for my skin. Swear I'm not trying to start anything. Just curious. It's too late now, girl. You've started it. No, I'm just kidding. I love that you thought I was going to come for you. I, I swear, I hardly ever come for anybody unless they say something really fucking stupid. I love questions. I did I did an episode a while back about Rodan and Fields. What well, might have been about MLMs. I can't remember. If I don't give you enough, enough information today, I would suggest that you go back and look for the uh, MLM episode. My distaste of Rodan and Fields, any, any MLM, it's not based on bad products per se. It's the way that they do business. The, the pyramid scheme structure, it subjugates more people than it will ever, ever make money. The products themselves, honestly, there's nothing wrong with them. Some of the formulators that made those products, they're the best in the industry. My problem, like I said, is the MLM structure. Consultants who don't know a sebaceous filament from a seborrheic keratosis sell skincare products to anyone and everyone. And the consultants act like they are fully qualified to diagnose and prescribe conditions and disorders without knowing root causes, underlying issues from, I don't know, things like medications or disease, working conditions, stress, life choices of their clients. And then that client is going to end up with horribly compromised skin that they end up bringing to me in my treatment room and they want me to fix it. But now, now they have trust issues and they won't buy products that they should be using because Tina, the fucking skincare consultant from Rodan and Fields, told her that she should be using a gel cleanser instead of a creamy cleanser and she can't get that out of her fucking head. My problem is that all of these companies 
They are glorified swindlers with half of our Congress dipping into their lobbyist pockets to fill their own. So no, it's not the products that I hate. They're, they are no better or worse than anyone else's. And I know where your confusion comes from. Because if you follow other estheticians, I do see a lot of estheticians posting about how toxic they are, how awful they are, how drying they are. They aren't any of those things. They're not. They've just been put in the hands of people that don't really know how they should be represented, how they should be used safely and efficiently. If they work for you, you know what? Good on you. Keep using it. But personally, me, I could never support a company that purports to be the number one skincare brand in the world and growing, but 67% of its employees clear $300 a year. Yeah, not going to happen. So that is why I despise Rodan and Fields. Okay, next question. Let's see. Hey, esthetician on the edge. Hey, esthetician on the edge. I am a teacher and know you used to be too. What is one thing you wish you'd spent more time teaching your students? God, do you have all day? Lots of stuff, actually. But one of the main things I don't think is given enough attention in school is body mechanics when you're working and the reality of your body breaking down in the industry. I've talked about it before, I'm pretty sure, but the hustle lifestyle, it is not sustainable for long periods of time, especially in this industry. Yet our industry is evolving to nothing but the hustle lifestyle. Speed waxing, it has taken over the industry. It's the norm now. If you can't do a Brazilian in 15 minutes, why are you even here? You know? And people brag about it. Uh, they have bragging rights. The faster that they can turn and burn those vaginas, and I, mad props to them. I'm a hand talker, so no way am I getting one out in 15 minutes. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> and I that, it's all well and good if you can do a 15-minute Brazilian. It's good while you're young and you're inexhaustible, but eventually, eventually, tendons, nerves, muscles, cartilage, all of those things are going to weaken, they're going to age, and they're going to give out on you. And those 10 to 15 Brazilians that you pumped out every day for years, that shit's going to catch up to you. And you will hit a wall that is insurmountable. Your wrist, they're gonna give out. Your eyes, they're gonna give out. You do, we do so much detail work. Your back, you probably are feeling it in your back anyway, if you've even been in the industry for any period of time. Your feet, fuck, we're on our feet constantly, especially if you're a waxer full-time. Uh, I do, mm, I do quite a bit of waxing, but I also do quite a bit of treatments, but I'm that esthetician that stands to do everything because I'm short. Um, so I'm on my feet constantly. I never sit in that damn chair. This industry, it is hard. It is so hard on our bodies. And, and I know people look at what we do, people outside of our industry, and they think we've got it made. It's easy work. Yeah, it's easy work. Great working environment. But they don't see the big picture. They don't really know what we do. A lot of you, unfortunately, you don't see the big picture. You're bringing in a grand or more a week, and you're doing that from volume services. But in a year from now or two, you won't be able to sustain that. It's simply physics. It's science. 
Trust this old tired bitch. Every passing year, you are going to feel it more and more. No matter how much you adjust your table or your client or your shoes or if you wear wrist braces or if you brace your back, your body will betray you. So yeah, I wish I'd covered body mechanics more. And the fact that you need a plan for further down the road. Concentrate on creating passive income in your business with retail or with something along those lines. Because your body is going to give out. Even as you're hearing me, some of y'all, you're still in denial. You're like, no, I'm good. I like the hustle. Give me all the money. Guess what? You've, you've been programmed by our industry to accept that you have to work twice as hard as the next person in a different industry to make the same amount of money. I'm telling you, our entire industry, it needs an overhaul, but I doubt highly if it ever will happen because schools, they're, they're churning out new estheticians faster than our old asses can break down. Pretty sure that there will always be someone out there ready to take our places when our bodies fucking disintegrate and accept that shitty commission and shitty schedule and shitty clients. Yay, aesthetics. <laughs> All right, next question. Let's see. Estheticianed, blah, blah, blah. Oh, hey, what products do... Okay, to esthetician on the edge, what products do you use on yourself? Currently... I'm using a hodgepodge of things. So I use Epionts, I use some PCA, I use some ZO, I use some 2L and pimple patches as needed and Botox. Well, I'm using Xeomin currently. I like Xeomin. I consider that part of my regular part of my regular facial routine. Don't get married to that cuz my routine changes with the season and with my skin everybody's should be changing with their season with the season and their skin okay next question i think this is the last question let's make this the last question hello esthetician on the edge blah 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 blah. i know skin analysis is important but do you really do one every single time a client comes in to see you i've got regulars i've been seeing for a year now and it seems silly to do it each time thanks for your input Uh, Hello to you too. And no, I don't. I don't. Truly, truly. I do an extremely in-depth skin analysis on new clients only. After that, I pull the light over. I check to see if we've we've changed a routine or if they report a problem uh, or if I see something when I greet them or even if it's been a while since they've been in, I'll do an analysis. Now, I do an analysis if a new client comes back to see me because I want to see if there's any issues going on with uh, maybe a product that I've introduced or if the procedure might have caused more damage than good. But the moment I've got them in there on a monthly basis consistently, I stare them down while I'm greeting and walking them back. But no, if they're once a month with no issues, I don't do skin analysis every time. I know some of you are like, what? But I'm just being honest. That's how I do it. You guys can continue to do your analysis every single time if you want, but I'm just being honest with you. I do not do an in-depth skin analysis every single appointment if they're regulars. Ooh, but that was actually a good little segue there. Speaking of analysis, 
let's talk about skin types and how to treat those in the treatment room or rather what to treat in the treatment room. I keep getting this question and I thought I had gone over it a bit in another episode about where you should focus when someone comes in with a lot of things going on or with a skin type or a skin condition. But I keep getting the question, so I'll hit it again. It is hard now in the treatment room to type someone's true skin. Uh, So hard. Between filler, Botox, lasers, chemical peels, you never know what their skin really looks like. You don't. Now, y'all remember there are four classifications, normal, oily, dry, combo. There are a lot of brands out there, and they break them down even further Hell, you get five, six, seven, eight. I think one esthetician even has nine skincare types. Most of those skin types, I say that in quotations, are actually skin conditions. What I'm talking about is what your mama gave you, what you were born with. So we're just going to focus on the four. Then let's refresh on those types if you guys don't mind. We'll go through it really, really quickly. You can fast forward if you want to. Oily skin, true, true oily skin is oily from the center of the face to the hairline. If this person washed their face within like two minutes, oil is beating back up on their nose. And within 10 minutes, they're back to shiny. True oily skin looks greasy. It always looks like there's a film on it. Kind of has like a thickened texture. You see this a lot with, um, oh my gosh, just left my brain, with uh, PCOS clients. Is that right? Polycystic ovarian? Yeah. Also, for true oily skin, their pore size is larger pretty much everywhere. Although the pores will start to dissipate as you get closer to the perimeter of the face. All right, dry skin. Dry skin is usually, oh, it is so fucking pretty to look at. You can't see a single pore on a dry skin person's face. It looks airbrushed, flawless. Then you touch it (laughs) and it feels like bark on a tree trunk. The closer that you get to true dry skin, you can see it is dull. It it looks like it's fragile, um, has a tendency to have more fine lines and and expression lines, even if the person is a little bit younger. And then we have combo skin. Combo skin, it can do a lot of things. It's very confusing to work with. It's very confusing for the client. You can be oily in the T-zone with dryness along the perimeter. That's really typical. Um, But you can also have a dry forehead with an oily chin or vice versa. You can have large pores on the nose and zero pores on the cheeks. You can have flaky cheeks. You can have perfectly normal T-zone. It is the most common skin type that you'll deal with. It's a fucking hot mess. Normal skin... Normal skin is the goal, right? Normal skin is what we all wish we had. It's a perfect balance of everything. And I don't see it a lot anymore. People are playing too much. There's too much skincare out there. There's too much access to things that they shouldn't have access to for anyone's skin to be balanced anymore. They fuck it up. Now, in the treatment room, I honestly... Don't cringe at me. But I try to steer away from typing people. They have a preconceived notion of what they are skin type wise, and that's okay. They've been battling their skin their entire life, and I'm not going to take that from them. What I'm going to do is treat the condition that I'm seeing when they come in to me. So let's say I've got a client on the table. They've got oily skin. 
But they use a salicylic cleanser, a salicylic toner, spot treatment, makeup wipes with salicylic, and their moisturizer even has salicylic in it. They do this twice a day, every day. That client probably has extremely sensitized, dehydrated, dull, and dry skin. I imagine that when I ask them what brought them in, they are going to be so confused. They know in their heart of hearts that they have oily skin. But in that moment, it is so irritated and red and flaking and tight, but still breaking out. They have no clue what to tell me. They don't. So I'm going to be addressing what I see on their skin, what their skin is doing in that moment. And I'm also going to be educating the client. I cannot express how important it is to educate your client on what they're doing wrong, what's causing their oily skin to be dry. You have to be able to explain ingredients and how those ingredients are causing the issues and are affecting their skin so that they understand when you choose a treatment that might not be something they would have picked off the menu. We're focusing on the conditions that they've created rather than on their oily skin. What would you guys do? I'm curious. I, whenever I give you guys these uh, scenarios, I'm always curious what you would do in a treatment room. I used to do that in my classroom. I'd give my students uh, a piece of paper and it had a client on it and it had a shit ton of details. And they would have to tell me what they'd change in that person's routine what service that they would suggest, and how they would explain it to their client. And that would be the facial that I would have them do that day on their person. The first few times that I did these, they were always so confused. And I'm sure they hated my ass, but it made them think outside the box. It also made them not quite so surprised if they did get these clients in clinic with these weird ass routines that they should not be doing. I mean, I like to think it helped them not be so thrown off when a client came in with something like that in their first real spot job. In school, we, we get so wrapped up in treating a person's skin type. I mean, shit, think about it. It's on product bottles. If you go to get a cleanser, it's for normal to oily skin. Our, our procedures are labeled by skin type. It, it seems strange to look past a skin type. But I do encourage you to do so. Talk to your clients. See what's bothering them. Treat the problems that you're seeing on the skin. Tell the client what you're seeing. Educate the client. Once you have the condition under control, then you can come back around and you can guide them into finding a happy balance in their true skin state. Okay, I hope that helps you guys. I know that I am over time, so I'm brushing through this so apologies so our pam of the week is from an anonymous listener and she sent this in so long ago <laughs> so sorry and she sent it in originally as a i had to fire a client i asked about that in an instagram story but this client is such a pam that i thought it would be more appropriate as my pam of the week so here we go she says, I work at a sweatshop waxing salon. They book us back to back. Most of the appointments are maybe 15 minutes long. We also offer lash lifts and tents that are 45 minutes. I had a client who always booked out for her lash lift and tent with a brow and a Brazilian. 
That's over an hour of services. She continuously no-shows, never answer her never answers her phone when we call asking where she's at, but she does call us back to avoid cancellation fees of 50% of her service. By the way, I don't get compensated for those, but the spa, of course, does. Well, after the sixth, (laughs) six guys, six, after the sixth time of her doing this, she showed up 30 minutes late and still expected all of her services. She says, first of all, Pam, I don't give a shit why you're late, but your amazing excuse doesn't magically give me time to do all of your services. (laughs) That is true. Very true. Anyway, I tell her either her brows in Brazilian or I can do her lash lift and tint, but not everything. It's up to her. She insisted that we do it all. I said, no, there's no time. She then wanted to reschedule for yet another day. I kindly tell her I'm not going to do it because we've accommodated her multiple times, but that she was more than welcome to call or try to walk in the same day to see if we have available spots. She stormed out and left a shitty review, but telling her no and seeing the look in her eyes was hashtag worth it. Oh my god, that that is a fucking bam. All right, that is all the time that we have for today. If you have any questions you want covered on the podcast or comments, please email me at estetitionontheedge at yahoo.com and I'll try to cover those. Thank you guys for listening and as always, wishing you a Pam-free week. See you next show.